With filming about to start on a TV series based on his first crime novel, Christchurch writer Paul Cleave has just released his latest book, The Pain Tourist. He's worked on the script for the Lionsgate-backed show Dark City, The Cleaner, that's set in his hometown, just as Colin Dexter's Inspector Morse did for Oxford and Ian Rankin's Revis did for Edinburgh, Paul's made Otautahi Christchurch a literary crime hub. And like many crime novelists, Paul isn't wedded to the same detective in each novel, though in The Pain Tourist we do see some familiar crime fighters. Brad Warrington reads from the new book. James hears her say, Does he know yet? Hazel, her voice to match, asks, Any of it? Nurse Barr shakes her head. The panic building inside him builds some more. If he could, he would yell, What's going on here? Nurse Bar moves aside. And a man who isn't dressed like a doctor, but probably is, comes in. Dr Wolfgang, maybe. James stares at him while Hazel drags a chair over so she can sit and hold his hand in both of hers. She keeps smiling that same trying-to-break-free-of-her-face half-smile Nurse Barr gave him earlier. I'm so glad you're back, Hazel says. Back from where? She smiles. She cries. She tightens her grip on his hand. She looks up at the doctor. And he has one of those stupid smiles too. Hello, James. My name is Dr Wolfgang McCoy, he says. I know you have questions... And I know you're scared. And I want to assure you that even though you can barely move right now and can't talk, these things are hopefully only temporary. Hopefully. Together we're going to work on getting you back on your feet. Dr Wolfgang looks at Hazel. Hazel nods and tightens her grip on James's hand so much he groans with pain. She quickly relaxes. Sorry. Waha. He asks. It sounds enough like what happened for Hazel to get it. What else would he be asking? You've been in a coma for for nine years and... Nine years? Nine years! That makes him 29 and Hazel 32. But she doesn't look 32. James! It doesn't make sense. None of this does. He looks at her. He blinks back tears. Can you hear me? He nods. He can't imagine how this can possibly get any worse. And then it does. Well, I began by asking Paul to define a pain tourist. You know how, like, at the moment, like, every second show on Netflix is, here's a true crime show about this person who was murdered or every second podcast is hey let's listen to about this person who was murdered or um or shows on tv like bodies in the backyard or this person was killed and that person was killed and everyone's sort of obsessed by it and so this character in the book who has lost his wife calls these people pain tourists that they kind of revel in, in the in the pain of others more so actually he means the people who go beyond that you know when suddenly one day reading about people's pain and uh, watching TV shows about it or listening about it isn't enough. And they want to visit these places. They want to grab souvenirs from these places. They fantasize about what happened. And then, of course, you get folks who go even beyond that. 
Your protagonist, James, gives them plenty of opportunity if they're looking for people in genuine pain. His story, and we learn about it right at the start, home invasion uh, and there are children in the house. Seeing that from a child's perspective was particularly, I don't know if it upsets you, but must have been quite hard to write. You know what? No, I never really struggle with too much when I'm writing. It was definitely, you know, uh, you just trying to drop yourself into that situation and just imagining how traumatic it would be for this kid who, you know, two minutes into the book witnesses the execution of his of his parents, which is such a horrific opening, you know, idea. He himself is also a victim. You know, he gets um, dragged downstairs and he gets shot in the back of the head and, and that should be lights out for him, but he survives. And that's what, um, you know, the book kind of carries on from there. But no, I wasn't, you know, I, I can always distance myself from from that. Like, you know, that's a daytime job, sit down, write that, and then I, I don't really think about it uh, too much after that. You also take us into the world of people who came out of comas, um, but this is a <sighs> painful reemergence for James because he's lived this other life in his coma. We've got a few things going on. First of all, he's been in a coma for nine years, so he's not going anywhere. I think all he has uh, when he wakes up is the ability to turn his head. I remember talking to a doctor about that, kind of saying, what abilities would you have? And I think that was pretty much it. But, of course, the other thing that doctors say is if you're visiting somebody in a coma, it's always good to talk to them, it's always good to read to them, et cetera. And in this case, he has sort of been acting like a human sponge. and Everything's been going in, and... In his coma, he has created what he calls coma world. Not that he knows this at the time, but life goes on for him. You know, you have in the start of the book where the parents die, you have his chapters where the parents survive. And you know that it's not right because it's, you know, that's mixed in with him lying on the operating table and and the, the doctor trying to save his life. And then going back to James's point of view where, the police are showing up and they're like, well, you did really well. You've saved lives. Your parents are doing okay. And that carries on for him. So here's these nine years of a really nice life where nobody gets sick. Everything goes well for him. It's great. And so then when he does wake up into the real world, you know, it's not just physically, but emotionally, he's very different. You know, he's, he's a 20-year-old guy who has the education of an 11-year-old. He doesn't know he's been in a coma for nine years. He thinks everything was was real. Uh, so then he has to, all these bombs come at him. It's like, well, you've been in a coma. Actually, your parents died and you can't move. So it's a, it's a pretty horrific uh, wake-up for him. And you really feel for his sister Hazel because, and, and there's no spoiler here, he saves her life. The issue for um, for her and is right in the beginning when James races up to the room because they have that classic brother sister kind of you know antagonistic relationship and he's saying we've got to get out of the house and she's like James basically stop being an idiot and he goes no no there are monsters in the house and she doesn't believe him and of course they come into the room and his last act is to shield her while she gets outside and she's the one who gets to freedom and, and calls the police so she lives with this for all these years knowing that she just listened to her brother, they both could have got out. Perhaps things would have gone differently for, for the parents as well. They, they don't know. So she does stay by his side the whole time. But you you can't visit somebody in a coma every day forever, pretty much, you know, and it does peter out over the years. And then, of course, when he, when he wakes up, everything's back on and she does everything she can. But, of course, sadly, being in a coma comes with medical bills. You know, she's struggling to, um, to keep everything together. 
and uh, which which kind of influences a little bit some of the decision making processes that she makes later in the book, where it's you know you, what what is the best thing for James is is different against what is the best thing that we can afford for James, which is why he ends up going home a little earlier, which puts him you you know into the sights of some very bad people. The police have not solved the crime. Tell me about um, Tate. He's back. He hasn't been around since 2014, and not for any real reason other than I just started writing standalone uh, novels back then. But I always wanted to bring him back. And the funny thing is that for him, his last outing was really, even though it's for us, it's eight years, but for him it's like three months or six months. Because the books kind of, they follow on from each other. They you know, I don't do the here's a year in between novels like a lot of uh, guys do, a lot of authors do. You know, you kind of go, well, now it's winter, now it's summer. You know, so eight years, but it's really been six months. So he's just carrying on from where the events, you know, led to uh, in his last outing. But it was good coming back with him though. Like he's sort of been my go-to guy. It was nice giving him another outing, albeit a kind of a different one from from most of the other other novels. You know, you do have this coma world. You do have this this boy who's come out of it, who has heard things, and it's a different feel, I think, from the other stories because I don't want to write the same thing every time. So it is it is different, but I think it's worked really well. But yeah, no, it was great bringing him back. It was great bringing back Detective Kent from the um, from the last few books. She's kind of becoming my go to guy at the moment as well. So yeah, I'm sure there'll, there'll be more. I think they work well together, so it's good to have them both here as as leads. I want to talk a little bit more about James. I mentioned the warehouse before, and this is where he stores all those memories that he's created while in the coma. And I thought, was this based on on any research you'd done talking to coma survivors or, or your own imagination? What it's based on is years ago I saw this thing on, it was like 60 Minutes or something or, or some kind of um news uh, show and it was about this guy who created basically another world which he could dip in and out of and it was around baseball from memory um like he had created an entire different baseball league he could tell you you know who played on the day all, all the was it the, all the rbi stats man of the match who hit what you know and he had this for every single game which are there, I think there were hundreds of games per season, and he had years and years. And you could say to him, "Okay, who was you know on the second innings? Who was on first base? Who you know?" And he'd go, "Oh, that was such and such." And it was like such a real world for him. And I mean, that's what the story was about. Like, you don't really know how he's doing it, but he was consistent with it. It was real for him. And back then, I thought, okay, wouldn't it be cool to kind of have a character who? has something happened to him where he does live out another life and he's almost like a becomes like a supercomputer and you can comes out of this coma and you can kind of give him events and he can tell you what may or may not have happened, like alternate realities, which isn't quite where we landed on on this, but it's a similar kind of thing. Like I, th- I think at one point, you know, the sister is saying, you can ask him what a lot of numbers are going to be, but he's not going to be right. You know, he can just make these predictions. It's like he takes everything he knows about somebody and their story, and he gives you an alternate reality of where they would be tomorrow or next week or, or, or next month. But it doesn't mean he's right. And this is his ability as he does this with people who have people who have lost family members suddenly become drawn to him because it's like, well, he's created a, a world about his parents who died nine years ago. Well, maybe he can create that same world for the person that I lost 
And that's really what the crux of the book is, is him creating these other lives or has the ability to. But it doesn't mean they're correct. It's just this is what it could have been, but in a very real way. Well, while I had Paul on the line, I asked about the filming of the six-part TV series Dark City, The Cleaner, produced by industry veteran John Barnett. Paul was predictably guarded. Uh, I mean, there are three of us who have written the scripts, so I got to do two of the episodes. And I know, yeah, I think things have progressed pretty well. I, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the set. I'm looking forward to, to meeting the crew, um, which is all happening soon. There's not really much I can talk about on, on the show at the moment. I had to ask Paul Cleave. No word yet when Dark City the Cleaner will screen, but his novel The Pain Tourist is out now. It's an upstart press publication.